Handoff to the fullback, Ottawali. Coming this way, looking for a block at the 30. He's at the 25. Jody Ottawali, the Roosevelt Rough Rider, out of bounds at the Illinois 20-yard line. Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. This week, the Peristyle Podcast is sponsored by the law offices of Bart Ring. Bart is a proud Trojan alum that has been taking care of the legal needs of the USC family for 20 years. Call 818-587-9299 or go to bartringlaw.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and uh, joined in the first segment, like we are every week, by the coach, Harvey Hyde. How are you doing today, coach? Well, thank you very much, Ryan. I'm doing just fabulous. How's that for a pretty good day? Uh, Yeah, it's a good day. Beautiful day here in Southern California on Wednesday. This is our 14th episode of the podcast. Can you believe that already, Coach? I I really can't believe it. Before long, you're going to be saying, hey, Coach, now tell me about Virginia. Yes. (laughs) So we're trying to make the offseason go by for all the Trojan fans. And uh, before we get down to business, this whole podcast is going to be mostly about the O.J. Mayo situation. We're going to get into that. I uh, just wanted to thank, we have a new sponsor for the podcast. It's the Law Offices of Bart Ring. So Bart's a, a Trojan. Uh, he's a Trojan alum. He's been helping the USC family for any legal issues for the last 20 years. So if you need some legal help, you can call 1-818-587-9299. Or you can go to his website, bartringlaw.com. You're not in trouble by the law, are you, Coach? No, and uh, but uh, if I was... I'd call it. Okay, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you're not in trouble. Um, so the the big story this week, obviously uh, on Sunday, ESPN ran something on Outside the Lines, O.J. Mayo. We're going to talk to you, Coach, about kind of scandals and your opinion on everything that's been going on. We have a couple guests today. Uh, in the second segment, we're going to talk to Yahoo Sports columnist, their national columnist, Dan um, Dan Wetzel. Uh, about He had some very interesting takes. He was one of the few columnists that wasn't throwing USC under the bus and OJ, under, OJ Mayo under the bus and talking about the problems with the NCAA. So we're going to get to that in the second segment. And then Dan Wojcik, our new beat writer, was down at USC on Tuesday, and he actually got to talk to Mike Garrett, and Garrett made a few comments. We put that up on the website. You can go to uscfootball.com and see his kind of generic comments. Uh, Bill Plasky also talked to him. That Dan and Bill Plasky both talked to uh, Mike Garrett about the same time, and in Plasky's column today, I don't know if you got to see it, Coach, but he was talking that Garrett is kind of just taking the, you know, no comment route, and he really thinks that USC should come out and, and say, you know, kind of what their process is because a lot of things happened before OJ Mayo got to school, and he thinks that if Garrett came out and said, "Hey, this is the process we went through. We talked to the NCAA about OJ Mayo. We talked about uh, Mr. Guillory, who was, you know, the the handler, I guess you could say, of OJ Mayo." If he would come out and give a few more details about what was going on, then it wouldn't look like they're just trying to hide things. Do you, do you kind of, have you seen that article, and do you agree with that, Coach? You know, I haven't seen the article because I just arrived in town, but I do have the Los Angeles Times paper. I haven't read it yet. I've been reading the other papers, and I haven't seen that. But, no, I didn't see that. But, um, you know, people, I think, sometimes expect too much. What I mean by that, 
Uh, Mike Garrett, obviously, is an athletic director that uh, is a very astute uh, uh, individual, knows the NCAA rules, uh, knows what uh, the compliance uh, is, and he has a compliance department that follows the NCAA guidelines. I'm sure that uh, he has been advised exactly what to say, and if there was more to say on the topic, then uh, he would say it. I, don't, I just don't understand how... Uh, people, I'm in the media now. I, I'm called a media person now. I'm a coach. I don't see how they can't just be satisfied when asked a question to put words in someone's mouth to expect more when he really is in a position where he can't do that. And 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 really, what happened to the old saying, you're innocent until you're proven guilty? I, I just don't understand that, where that has gone. I mean, uh, the young man, uh, obviously has not flashed around jewelry, has not flashed around new cars, has not done the things that someone would normally do if he was living above his means. Uh, he's a gentleman. He's done everything that he could have done at USC. And, and I think this is what uh, the uh, USC people are concerned with. What happened at USC? Now, if uh, when he was one year old, one years old, if something did, someone did something and gave him a Christmas gift or something that then that's impossible for people to regulate. I think the number one thing that an administrator can answer is what they are responsible for and what they can uh, rely on as far as their compliance and rules and regulations that fall within the guidelines of the NCAA. But, you know, it just seems as though columnists and it just seems as though sports talk hosts and everything, when you get a topic like this, everyone wants to roll with it and throw their opinion in. And what do you think? And get people to call in. And this is what makes sports radio. And this is what makes sports page. Uh, this is what gives lead stories. Uh, uh, this is this is what it's all about. I mean, uh, he's obviously a great player. Uh, I'm, we're not discussing that. We're discussing some person on a talk show. And I don't even know who this guy is. I haven't seen him say anything, uh, comes up with this story, uh, and everyone believes him rather than believe what might be the truth. Or, 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 oh, my gosh, how can, oh, my goodness, look at this. Oh, how wrong is this? And, and, and everything. I mean, instead of just staying calm, let the process happen, there is a process that ought to, that is set up by the NCAA and by the Pac-10 and by each individual school that is a member of the NCAA, they have committees, they have ways of following through with all the investigation processes. Why not allow that? Why should the media try this? Yeah, and that... right now, I get the feeling that the media people feel they have, and they do have uh, the uh, ability, and they do have the, uh, let's say, uh, uh, they do have the they can, let's say that. I'm not saying they can't. But why Why be so negative? Why be always thinking that something was wrong rather than right? Why not leave it alone and let the process happen the way it's supposed to happen? Uh, that isn't enough. So, you know, you know and scandal. I, I hate the word scandal. What scandal? What is a scandal? This isn't a scandal. This is, this is something that someone reported that out there supposedly, and remember that supposedly, uh, supplied or gave certain things that weren't supposed to be given to 
an athlete before he arrived at USC. Yeah, and you bring now, up some... Wow. Now, how far is it that SC is supposed to go back to the NCAA? What, <laughs> the kindergarten? Or, or what? Or what? I mean, where to? He rode a Ferris wheel and got a comp? Yeah. yeah. No, I, you, you bring up some good points, Coach. It's, it's funny that, you know, you see the sensationalization of, of stories. And, uh, you know, if you watch ESPN Today, there was a full, and you, know, you could see this in the, the, the uh, Boston Herald, a full-page apology to the New England Patriots. I mean, this is the paper that covers the Patriots. They had won, you know, three Super Bowls. They were going undefeated. And, you know, a few days before the Super Bowl comes out, they come up with a story that says, you know, they taped the, the walkthrough of the Los Angeles, I mean, of the Los Angeles Rams. Sorry, that's dating me. Of the uh, St. Louis Rams before their Super Bowl. Um, and that story ends up not being true. And so you have millions and millions of people that are about to watch a Super Bowl catching wind of that story, every media outlet picks up on it. And that's something you can't reverse. So even if they come out now in the middle of May with a full page retraction, it just doesn't get the same kind of, uh, you know, wheels and legs that uh, the story would get right before the Super Bowl. You know, and, and, and I think that's what, you know, if it's happening here, if this all goes away, if someone, you know, a few months from now, they say, oh, no, this never really happened. This was just, uh, you know, one guy that was excluded from the group getting scorned if they just say oh lewis johnson was uh you know let go of the group and he just came forward and just kind of made false accusations it's not going to get as much hype as it you know as the initial you know the the scandal you don't like that word but when the scandal would break you're, you're never going to get as much hype if you have a retraction as opposed to what the uh, the initial uh scandal was yeah well well let me let me say i tell you this when i see it come on any of the stations i change the station. You know that because I know the all the, it's a sensationalism. It's it's hey, I better listen to this. What's happened next? And it's the same thing, over and over and over. It's the same thing that people are writing about over and over and over. Hey, get a job. Go out and find another story. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what are they doing? You know, they, I mean, I'm getting tired of it. I don't read it. They're getting paid to do to do a job. So why write the same thing a hundred times? I mean. Really, there is, you know, is it is it a scandal if someone takes, there's a drug out there or something, a, a vitamin, to make you smarter and you become more intelligent and all of a sudden you're smarter than everybody else and you're taking tests because you took a certain vitamin that made you smarter? Is that a scandal? I, don't I mean, when the, you, if, huh? if you find that pill, let me know. I'll take some of that. Yeah, but you know what I mean. There's, I mean... Because you, uh, I mean, we're talking about the steroid issue now and other things that are out there, you know, testing the athletes. Uh, uh, there's so much attention that is brought today to athletics, college athletics. I mean, they're required to be tested. They're, they're required to do this. They're required to, uh, you know, do all these different things. Uh, finally, they're allowing them to fly home if they have someone in their family that passes on. I mean, before the rules used to say if a if a person had an injury like a wisdom tooth infection, and I don't know if anybody's ever had a wisdom tooth infection or an air pocket, you couldn't treat it as an as an athletic department because it was a violation. I mean, how ridiculous is that? I mean, you couldn't treat it because it was an athletic injury, wow. but they finally now has adjusted some of those thinkings too to make it you know, where it, it, it can be treated. So, you know, there's so many different silly things that are out there, 
And then this, and the O.J. Mayo situation for the sensationalism, this is getting from one person saying before he came to SC and before he could walk, but at that time he had a basketball, that this is what's happened. I think it's ridiculous. I think a person who used to have the due process, you're innocent before you're guilty, that, that's all gone now. And why? Because the media. The media tries it. And as you said, even if everything is, and we anticipate it's going to be 100% okay, it'll never be repaired for the damage that is done. Yeah, and it, now you, you've been around the UNLV program for a long time, and obviously they had one of the biggest scandals with Jerry Tarkanian. Scandal? There. Don't use that. Oh, I'm sorry. They had, uh, <laughs> I don't know what they you want to They had call. an investigation that had some issues. They definitely had some issues with uh, with Tarkanian. Were you close to that at all? And wh- what Very were your... close to it. Did you ever read that Jerry Tarkanian won his suit against the NCAA for $2.5 million? No, I did not. No, did you read that? I wonder why they paid him. Was he lost? <laughs> I don't think so, yes. Okay. Well, well you, know, that, you know, there were many, many issues there at UNLV, and, and I'll tell you why there are issues at UNLV and other universities. If you win, you have issues. If you have great players, you have issues. If you lose, you have no issues. If you don't have great players, you don't have any issues. All you do is change coaches or change athletic directors. So Jerry Tarkini was at a university, and you can, uh, you can say that there wasn't supposed to go to the Final Four. It wasn't supposed to go at the last 10 years at UNLV win 35 games. You ever heard of anything averaging 35 wins a year? That is crazy. Crazy. That, no, 35 games. You weren't supposed to lose to Duke or beat Duke or, or be in the Final Four. Who is UNLV to do this? So, obviously, uh, this was tried and obviously, there were releases. Obviously, if you probe enough, you find several things that are, say, not regular yet uh was did he ever forfeit a game did he did he ever uh you know these type of things no uh well let me ask you this do you think it's fair that jerry tarkinian is not in the basketball hall of fame college basketball hall of fame no i mean you think think about that for what he's done on the Here's court a he guy that's got the there. winniest percentage in college basketball or second First, and he's not in the College Hall of Fame while Houdini is. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I mean, his resume, obviously, it's almost second to none. I mean, there's a, he's up there in the elite categories there. So without, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like the Pete Rose thing. How is he not to be in the Hall of Fame or even Wait, a very, Let me tell you, can, how can Sam Cunningham not be in the College Hall of Fame? He should be. Well, yeah, let alone Randall Cunningham, his <laughs> brother. I mean, just think, when you think of some of these things, you say, how ridiculous are they? I mean, who, who are some of the voters? I mean, what, what is going on? And when you zero in on a kid like O.J. Mayo, who, as when I observed him the entire year, was an absolute gentleman, Treat, just acted like it, interviewed like it, did everything, gave every media person the opportunity to interview him and talk to him and, and everything else came to USC with everybody understanding that he would probably leave in a year. How, how can it all turn around all of a sudden and he's, he's this bad guy? Yeah, he was not a guy that, that you know, was driving around the flashy cars. He was riding his bike to, to class and 
And, uh, and what's a- wrong with it? If a guy can afford a flashy car, let's say a parent buys him a flashy car, does that mean he's cheating? No, no. And, and can, aren't they deserved to have flashy cars? Yeah, no. Def- if they, if I, they I, bought my, I bought my daughter BMW. Now should she be investigated? <laughs> Uh, no, you can get me a BMW. Well, then, see, that's the same observation, and that's the same thing that people look at. Hey, uh, Hancock drove a BMW his entire life. Or, no, a Mercedes at USC. And you know why his dad gave it to him? Yeah, Brandon has expensive taste. We know that. No, 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 but is that a violation because he drove a nice car? No, no, definitely not. No, but, see, that's what people think. If someone has something nice and they're in college, oh, my goodness. What is going on here? This is a scandal because it has new chrome wheels on it too. Well, I, I think the biggest, the, the big problem here, and I, you know, I talked to uh, Dan Wetzel. We actually talked to. I had to talk to him yesterday. He, he wasn't available. To come on today on his. He was driving to the uh, final game of the Orlando Magic uh, Detroit Pistons right. series. So we we taped that. You'll hear that coming up in the next segment. Um, I, he placed a lot of the blame on the NCAA, he, he thought this one-and-done rule is just inviting problems. And, and he felt that there's not a lottery pick out there who hasn't, you know, NBA lottery pick, who hasn't had, at least over the course of their career, $100,000 filtered to them or their people through agents. And it just seems like a very widespread problem. In his opinion, O.J. Mayo just got caught. That was, you know, that this happens is, is a widespread problem. Um, I, it, it, he felt that it wasn't the same in football because you can't look at a seventh grader and say he's going to be in the, the NFL. But you can look at a seventh grader. He said, when you look at Tyson Chandler, he's going to go to the NBA. When you looked at LeBron James, he's going to go to the NBA. You can tell that with, with basketball players. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the basketball world. But, but what do you think the NCAA has to do, Coach, if this is really happening, if they're really agents trying to con- – you know, any kid that's any good that's growing up middle school, high school – Agents are all over these kids. What can the NCAA do? Because a lot of the stuff that you're saying that's happening is, is happening to them before they even get to college. No, you're exactly right. And uh, what can the NCAA do? I, I don't know what they can do. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, something that's out there, and you can tell if a young kid is in the 7th or 8th grade. There's kids in the 7th and 8th grade and ninth grade committing to universities now. Verbal committee. They're saying, yes, uh, well, well, I'm coming to whatever school it might be. That means they've been evaluated and they know they have that talent. So, yeah, no, what can they do? I don't know what they can do. But I would tell you one thing they could do. They could outlaw all these club teams. I mean, uh, kids uh, have more influence by outside, influence by outside coaches. And I, and I have a lot of coaches out there mad at me right now in these club teams and so on when I say this. But these kids travel all over the country. They play in all these tournaments. Uh, their their high school team is a secondary thing that they do, uh, and the coach has no control of them. The high school coach they they belong to all of these club teams. The, a, the be, AAU school, the whole. Yeah, AAU I'm not going to mention yeah. any names of the teams or anything about that, but you know, those people know a lot of people, and these kids travel all over the country and they meet different people, and then they're just listening. They don't know. They're you know they're 16, 17 year old kids, 15 year old kids. So, you know, it's a, it's a situation. I, that's what I would say. I would say, hey, it goes back to your summer league with your high school coaches and your high school coaches are in charge. Why do they need outside AAU teams? 
Why can't they just go with their high school teams, with their high school coaches, with their high school administrators, the people that do their academic work and coach them, and allow them to be, if they need to play in summer leagues all over the country, then let those schools be a part of it. There's too many people that come in contact with kids today. There's too many away from home and everywhere else. I yeah. really believe that. Yeah, there's a now, lot. Yeah, there's a lot of middlemen. There's a lot of middlemen out there. You're right. I mean, there's just guys that are you know, AAU coaches, and in OJ Mayo's case, it was you know Rodney Guillory who came around, and you know it, th- there's all kinds of allegations uh, against him, um, but he's a guy who didn't look like he was a really good guy, and Tim Floyd kind of let him hang around the program. So I, I you, we're not sure what happened. Uh, nothing's been proven yet. But a guy like that, like if coach, if you knew there was a guy that was around your players like seven years ago and got someone in trouble, or like Guillory got uh, Jeff Trapania in trouble back in two thousand, I mean, is that a guy you'd want to keep around the program? Well, well, you don't. You really, you know, around the program is, you know, just about anybody can come around the program, and you don't really want to alienate anyone. I mean, person who has contacts in basketball recruiting and on the in the. Uh, leagues, these leagues we talked about and everything else are influential to young kids and parents. You know, what what are you going to do? If you throw him out of the gym and you throw him off the campus, is he going to run around the country saying good things about you? Yeah, probably not. Huh? Probably not, no. Is he going to join your booster club? No. The first thing he's going to do is alienate student athletes against you. So, you know, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. It's easy to say, would I let this happen, until you're sitting in that desk. And then you say, hey, you know, I need I need great players, or they're going to fire me anyway. Uh, this guy knows great players. He's around here. He hasn't done anything I know. So who am I to say, hey, because of what you did, get out of this gym? Please. You know, it seems like that's something easy to do, but that's not easy to do. And if they don't hang around the gym, they hang around the the restaurants, or they hang around the pools, or they hang around study hall, or they go somewhere else anyway. If someone wants to talk to one of your student athletes, or do they find a way? They they text them, they do this, they have cellular phones, they do all that. So you know, you can't stop everything. You know what I mean? You've got to be smart enough to be able to work with everyone and still be, you know, fortunate enough not to have certain things happen and get blown out of proportion, which these things happen. And and, and I hate to see these things make front page or all these television shows and people talking about it. I mean, local guys that cover the teams and say all these great things about certain players immediately, have you heard this? Breaking news. Breaking news. I mean, breaking news. Wow. I thought maybe something happened really big. Yeah, well, Coach, well, I mean, there's going to be a lot more to the story, I'm sure. And, oh, there's uh, going to be. I guess you got my side of it. Huh? Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate always uh, interesting insights. We're out of time for this segment, unfortunately. But uh, we will definitely look forward to talking to you next week. We'll see if anything else has developed by then. We'll try to be on more positive subjects and hopefully we'll get some more football talk in as we keep counting down to Virginia. But again, Coach, thanks for your time. <laughs> Ryan, didn't mean to get a little, uh, you know, uh, go overboard, but you, when you ask me a question, you'll always get the answer. I will never say that the S word to you again. I, I think I can, uh, <laughs> there'll be issues <laughs> or problems. 
But thanks again. And uh, coming up, oh, yeah. next two segments, we're going to talk to uh, Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports and then Dan Wookie of USAFootball.com. Stay tuned after the break. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Trojan fans, have legal problems or questions only an attorney can answer? Contact the law offices of Bart Ring. Bart is a proud Trojan alum who has been taking care of the legal needs of the USC family, its alumni and fans, for over 20 years. Like the Trojans under Pete Carroll, Bart and his team achieve successful results for their clients by preparation and outworking the opposition. Call Bart at 818-587-9299 or go to bartringlaw.com to see if he can help you with your legal issues. Don't forget to mention the Peristyle Podcast for a free consultation. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. All right, uh, we're back with the Peristyle Podcast. This segment, we have a very special guest, uh, Yahoo Sports national columnist, Dan Wetzel. Dan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. All right, so uh, obviously the big story this week, uh, the O.J. Mayo controversy. Uh, you wrote a, an interesting article. I read a lot of different columns uh, about O.J. Mayo, and you, you definitely took, you know, you gave some blame to O.J., you gave some blame to USC, uh, but you also poked, you know, gave some blame to the NCAA saying that the doing this whole one and done rule, you're just inviting stuff like this. Do you care to expand on that a little bit? Well, yeah. Um, you know, this, this isn't, this isn't to, to, sh- to shift blame from anyone because there's a lot of people that deserve it, but you know, the OJ Mayo uh, case should be any other player's case also. Um, the way recruiting is, has changed to the current state opposed to maybe 20, 25 years ago is that um, the agents are far more aggressive at a younger age and there's more people trying to get with the players uh, than there were, say, in Michael Jordan's time. When Michael Jordan came out of North Carolina as a junior, he supposedly never met with any agent until uh, he sat down after he declared for the pros. He never at all spoke to Nike until almost three months after he got out of North Carolina. Uh, these days, uh, if you're the top freshman in the country, high school, you're going to be uh, approached with different people. Uh, Tyson Chandler told me once he met his first agent when he was in the seventh grade uh, when he was in California. Wow. It's, it's, it's the nature of the business because uh, you, you just can't wait until a kid becomes a college star and then show up and say, I'd like to recruit you. It's a lot like college recruiting. You, you you know, you can't wait until the kid's a senior and then show up and say, hey, you know, I'm Tim Floyd or I'm Pete Carroll. Would you like to come play for us? You, you, you have to do your work as a sophomore and as a junior and, and wait till it goes. And so because of that, you just simply cannot pretend that these kids haven't been uh, associating or surrounded in some way or had access in some way to people who want to make uh, money and doing business with them. And that could be agents, financial planners, marketing agents, uh, memorabilia dealers, all sorts of different types of people. These kids are worth tens of millions of dollars. Everybody knows it. And, you know, the NCA rules are not going to stop the wheels of American capitalism from, from, from churning on. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you, you've covered basketball, you cover football. I'm mostly, I guess, I, you know, I 
done my work mostly on the football side and football recruiting. Looking into the basketball recruiting world, and I'm definitely uh, not the most experienced at this, there just seems to be this kind of seedy underbelly that I don't know if people like to talk about, but between the like the people, like you said, but there's the AAU coaches and all these, there seems to be a lot of older men kind of getting themselves involved in these kids because they it, it's almost like they're trying to set up some kind of gravy train for themselves later. Is that the kind of way you see it or how do you see this as a, the you know basketball recruiting goes for high schools? Yeah, no, I mean, I've covered college, basketball recruiting for a lot of years. We're a book, uh, sole influence on it about uh, how the sneaker company's involved in 2000. So uh, I, I, I don't I don't believe in a blanket statement of saying this group is bad or, or, or all of these all of these um, middlemen are bad for the kids. In, in some ways, they can be very good for the kids. Um, some of them are bad, some of them are, are not. Uh, it, I don't think it's a bad thing to have someone who knows the ropes, you know, steer some of these kids to the right college to go to and, and, and things that can help them and protect their investment. Uh, college coaches aren't, aren't the most reputable people either, and, and a lot of them have have screwed up careers of, of players, uh, limited their minutes to keep them in school for an extra year, made a big deal out of court things. There's a variety of different things. When, when these kids are worth so much money, you're really just trying to run the clock and, and get to get to the draft. So I, I don't think all of them are bad, but they're definitely, they're definitely out there. And, and one of the reasons is it's really easy to identify at a high percentage how good a player is. You can look at Tyson Chandler when he was in the seventh grade and say, that's an NBA basketball player. And you know what? He was. He was the third pick in the draft. You can look at O.J. Mayo when he was a seventh grader in Huntington, West Virginia, and say, that's an NBA player. And guess what? He's going to be a lottery pick. So you can make huge – can. it's worthwhile to make the investment in time, money, whatever it is, to, to become his guy, to become his middleman, to represent him. Where in football, you can't do that. I think a couple of years ago, Ryan Perilou was the number one recruit in the country or something like that. And, and he's done nothing really at LSU and there's trouble. You know, there's so many football. Xavier Lee was a number one recruit in the country. He's to Florida State. Hasn't done anything. You rarely will see the number one recruit in basketball not turn out to be something. I mean, you, you, just almost never. So because of that, it's worthwhile to do, where in football, uh, it's not. And in football, making it to the NFL is so important on scheme and development and things like that, where in basketball, you look at LeBron James and you go, I'm pretty sure this guy's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> you just look at him, he passes the eyeball test and every other test you can Yeah, go. and it's really, it's an eyeball test in a lot of ways. You know, it's, it's, they're physical freaks of nature in the NBA. I mean, they are absolute physical freaks of nature. And if you see one, you just say, my goodness, look at this. And, and if he, and, and it's literally just running the clock till he becomes a pro, you know, and, and it's all it takes. And because of this age limit, you, you, you force colleges in there as a hurdle. Colleges don't develop players to the NBA. They just sit in there as a hurdle. And they have a lot of silly rules that really don't mesh with how America is run. Uh, they, you know, it's nice that we want to run this tournament and call it amateurism and be pure, but you know what? No other business in America does that. No one is telling Hannah Montana not to sing with her dad and make money and do a TV commercial or TV show, but she needs to go sing in the high school choir. You know, nobody's doing any of those things. It's only in basketball and football that these prodigies have to wait, particularly basketball. So 
it, it's a strange thing, and, and you, it doesn't work. A capitalism is far more powerful than NCA rules, and so by trying to jam these square pegs in round holes, like like they did with O.J. Mayo, it's kind of inevitable that these things are going to happen. Yeah, and I, I read your column back. I think it was March nineteenth, where you wrote about. And you're kind of you know talking about this a little bit. And uh, you, you mentioned the Maryland 2002 national championship team that they had a, actually a zero graduation rate for that entire squad. And you were critical in this latest column about, you know, the whole one and done rule and, and that the, the the commissioner might want to try to make it, you know, two years or 20 years old um, coming out of college. Do you think it would be better just to remove the one and done rule or even do something similar to football where you make them stay for three years out of high school? So at least if they go to college, they would you know, be there for a while and not just know that they're going to go for nine months and, and leave? No, I'd eliminate the one and done. I, there's absolutely no, there's no statistical, no study, nothing, no proof at all that you need to go to college to become an NBA star. I mean, there's just none. And so, uh, and, and, and not socially, not behavior, anything like that. There's just as many busts or bad guys or whatever that went to college. There's no reason at all to go except David Stern is getting colleges to market his players, and that's it. It's that Kevin Durant was better known than Dwight Howard, uh, even though Dwight Howard could have been a star if he had gone to college for one year. And so you, you eliminate it. A, it's, it's fair for the players, um, it helps, and then it helps the college game. Just let these guys go by. If college basketball is as strong as, I, as, as it should be, then the game will go on without them. And, and it wasn't like people stopped watching the NCAA tournament because LeBron James didn't show up. So if, if you're a kid that has no interest in school or you come from a background, you need the money, or you just don't care, whatever it is, you shouldn't be told you have to go do something that has, you know, very little tangible benefit. And, you know, I know most people listening to this or most alums or fans look at college as uh, their experience at college a certain time. You know, these guys are, are just – they come from a totally different background and they're there for six months and it just, it just doesn't matter. They're just trying to get to the NBA. So college sports should give up on whatever little short term gain they get by having a star to, to avoid some of the scandal, you know? And, and I think that this is one of the cases. OJ Mayo sold USC some extra tickets, you know, some shirts, um, you know, got their name out there a little bit. I didn't think USC was going bankrupt without him, though. Right. And and now they're dealing with something that I'm sure they kind of wish. You know, I don't think this is really worth whatever we got out of OJ Mayo. This wasn't a good deal. Yeah. And you know, I just think this is, but this is what is inevitable. I mean, it's going to happen again and again and again. All you need is somebody to to spill the beans, like uh, Lewis Johnson did in this case. Yeah, it, I mean, it sounds like from your column, I mean, obviously, O.J. Mayo got caught. I mean, allegedly, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't know all the receipts, if they were pointing to Guillory or were they for Lewis Johnson or Bill Duffy. I'm not sure. It didn't seem that wasn't very clear. It just does seem like there's a whistleblower who was kind of excluded from the group. So I guess we'll see what happens there. But it right. O.J. Mayo got caught. But from your the numbers in your column, you were saying that there's not a top 15 kid out there that some agency hasn't spent a hundred grand on, and there was one player in particular that agents are all aware of that someone spent a half a million dollars on. Is this completely widespread, and and only because someone came forward is that's why we know about OJ Mayo's case? 
Absolutely. I mean, it, 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 the, the shock would be if some a lottery pick didn't have some dealings with an agent. Obviously, it happens. Not everyone's going to take something, not every situation, but any kid in O.J. Mayo's situation would have options. And so, uh, mo- and most human nature says most people would take it, you know, and, and there's huge money. Those half million, those $100,000 talk is over an extended period. It's not the kid gets there. It's, it's what I was talking about earlier. It's not, oh, I got to college and now I start giving him some money. It's I got him when he's ninth or 10th grade and paid him all along. You know, and spent a hundred grand getting getting in with this kid the entire time, and now he turns pro. So it's over, you know, four or five years. I mean, that's the thing about OJ. Even if he did take thirty thousand, and that's probably the high estimate this guy's coming up with, over four years, it's really not that much money. You know, seventy five hundred dollars a year. You know, it's it's you know what is that six hundred a month? You know, it's not. It's not an overwhelming amount of money if you if you fat and then you factor in what it's a hotel you know, so you know it, it, it's over a lot. No one's just dropping a here's a check for half a million dollars. But in terms of the amount of money you'll make on the contracts and all those things, uh, it would make sense to do that. It makes business sense for the agent, um, for the for for the financial planner, for the member, all those people. It makes financial sense, and, and there's just no way some little rule of the NCA is going to stop people from making millions of dollars. I mean, it's just not happening in America. Yeah, and I, I think the, the point you brought up with that, too, it does look like Guillory was the one, at least in Mayo's case, was getting the majority of the money and then filtering, you know, allegedly filtering some of that to OJ. Uh, but it also seemed like a lot of it was done before he even got to USC and that, that Guillory was cut off by Bill Duffy and Associates, if that was true. Once OJ did get to school, um, do you think that would affect the, the penalty? I, in your column, you mentioned that you know what the worst thing that can happen. It looks like USC could probably lose, you know, forfeit all the games that OJ played in. But do you think that is a factor that a lot of the money or most of it or whatever was allegedly paid to Mayo or Guillory before he got to USC? I think the thing that USC fans should hope for at this point is that there isn't a tie between. Um, between Duffy's money and 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 Guillory and and Duffy has come out and said we didn't pay him. And if 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 there's a way that that can be proven, then USC actually could be in a pretty good shape on this. Um, if if you want to call this good shape, but you know it's really Guillory can give OJ Mayo all the money he wants. It's a question is did he did he use did he funnel agents' money to it? And so that's where they got to prove that Bill Duffy actually gave him the money. And if they can't prove that, and I can't imagine where you're getting that documentation to prove it at this stage, uh, it's probably a hard thing to say. Just because Lewis Johnson said, I think Bill Duffy gave him the money, that doesn't mean um, he did. So, you know, if, if, if it's just Guillory handing out money, it's a lot less of a scandal for USC. Because now you take the agent equation out, and I think, and then you're saying, well, Guillory had a pre-existing relationship. Yeah, I think, in, in I think, intellectually, it's ridiculous. He had a pre-existing relationship because he was the number one player in the country. Right. But physically, <laughs> this is how the NCAA works. So I actually don't think SC's in that much trouble for this. I think their biggest problem is when you combine this case with the Reggie Bush case, one after another, similar circumstances 
maybe, you know, you, I, I think even the most hardcore Trojan can say, I can see where you're saying, you know, are we monitoring this or do we really have institutional control? That's the part that would scare me if I'm an SC fan is, is combined these two cases take on greater strength. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think, you know, if this was reverse, if this was Pete Carroll, a guy like Guillory who was around, I don't think I think Pete Carroll's taken steps to remove people like that from being a, allowed around the program. And I think looking back in retrospect, that's the one thing Tim Floyd should have done is, you know, why are you letting this guy around when he was around in 2000 and was, you know, was a runner at that time? And, you know, maybe it was if you didn't keep him around, you weren't going to be able to get OJ. I'm not sure. But I, I think that was the one difference where Pete Carroll's got established now that he doesn't need stuff like that. He would have probably made sure Gillery wasn't around the program where in Floyd's case, you know, he was a guy that was in the in the basketball offices all the time and in the locker room as well. Yeah, and I mean, this is a huge red flag guy. I mean, this isn't Mother Teresa showing up with a, <laughs> with a player. I mean, you know, he already had been identified as a runner for an agent by the NCA. He'd already gotten USC in trouble once. Well, guess what? He was a runner for an agent again, he's being alleged. You know, I mean, at some point you got to say, well, what's the plausible deniability here? Um, so I think SC's defense on this thing is going to be very technical, and I think it's saying, uh, prove it. Show me how you can tell me that what Rodney Guillory was spending, if, if we're going to accept that he was buying all those things. Uh, and I didn't hear a whole lot of real good denials from OJ or, or, or Guillory in that piece. But if you're going to make that argument, well, don't just assume it was build up the associate's money, because how, how can you say that? Where's the money? How can you say you got two hundred and fifty thousand dollars when all your receipts add up to seven grand or something like that? How can you say you got cut off? Why would Bill Duffy Associates cut them off when they're about to get the kid? Yeah, it's not an extra fifty or a hundred thousand dollars to get OJ Mayo would be very sound business. I mean, very sound. Uh, that part of the story is really unusual. Very, very. That was the part that I said. Well, I, I don't get that. Yeah. Oh, he spent too much money so thus far. You're right on the cusp of getting them. I mean, you're going to get between you're going to get four percent of his regular contract playing basketball. You're going to get up to ten percent of his marketing and endorsement deal. You know, do the math. I mean, he'll he'll you'll make that back the first day you have him signed. <laughs> so why would you just give up on this and say, oh, our guys our guys living a little too lavishly? So I, I think there's some real questions, and I you know, and I that's one of the reasons I didn't just hammer on SC in this, or I didn't hammer. I, you know, I mean, I think there's blame because, look, this is a red flag and this situation is pretty predictable, but I got to see a little bit more. And I think SC come out a pretty good defense and say it wasn't Bill Duffy's money. Guillory spent his own money. And so it wasn't an agent money. It's, it, it's a pre-existing relationship, and, and that's, our, that's our out. A little sketchy, but that's, that's defense, you know. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah, just like you said, Guillory's not, you know, hanging around. Uh, you know, he's no Mother Teresa. Lewis Johnson really isn't either. I mean, he was arrested for selling cocaine. So there's, you know, there's a he has a former motive there. Former sports writer, former sports writer. Yeah. You, know, uh, <laughs> you know about those guys. They're Kurt Lewis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I don't trust uh, one, one last. Me, I wouldn't be going out any money to high school kids. <laughs> one last uh, thing on this, and we'll let you go. I think you appreciate your time on this. Um, how much are the shoe companies involved early? I think that's the one thing. You mentioned this a little bit earlier. There was a story going around when O.J. Mayo was going to commit to USC, and I think he was going to do it at an ABCD camp, 
which I believe is a Reebok camp. I'm not, hopefully, I got that right. It's a Reebok or Adidas or something. It was Reebok at that time. It was, it's been Adidas. Also. Adidas now, yeah. And and uh, camp, yeah. The the story was that they didn't want him to commit at that camp because he was going to commit to a Nike school, um, and so it, it baffled me that the the shoe companies were going to be involved that early in these guys' careers. How much of an influence are the shoe companies in this whole process? Oh, I mean, they're they're into their, they're into those kids very early because uh, it, it's a little bit like what I was talking about with the Hannah Montana thing. Um, he, he, and I hate using Hannah Montana as an example of anything, but but whatever. <laughs> when you're you're 15 year old kid now, who especially a basketball player, uh, if you were 15 and OJ Mayo was 15, you knew who OJ Mayo was, you know, and and he in, in whatever OJ Mayo wore, you might want to wear those kids. High school players have incredible influence uh, on the merchandise and fashion that other high school players are going to wear. LeBron James was a, probably the, the, the greatest marketing deal ever was Adidas signed with LeBron James' high school team up for $15,000 a year and got him in Adidas for three seasons wow. for nothing but fifteen grand. He had his own shoe. They made the LeBron shoe, and he couldn't even take any of the money because just like... 13-year-old girls want to dress like Hannah Montana and no adult in the world even knows who she is or cares. 13-year-old boys want to dress like a four... You know, this, these kids are cool. They're her peers. So for the shoe companies, this is massive business and it's, it's a great way to get in. You just They just can't pop you over the head with it and have the big the big commercials and all that stuff. But Slam Magazine covers or USA Today, ESPN, they're noticing those shoes. The kids are noticing what they're wearing. So... O.J. Mayo was a, a hot commodity in the, on the sneaker circuit, um, really, in eighth grade and, and played at ABCD. He's one of the few guys to play there as a rising uh, freshman. Um, and, uh, but one thing they aren't that big on, it's not that big about, well, you should go to Adidas school or a Reebok school or a Nike school. That has that always been overblown. They, they don't really care at that point. Okay. Well, hey, Dan, I really appreciate your time. I know you're going to the uh, Pistons-Orlando game. Hope you enjoy that. And uh, you, everyone out there, you can read his stuff on Yahoo Sports. Dan Wetzel, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Coming up after the break, we'll talk to USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Wykey about what he saw on campus on Tuesday. He was down there for a press conference, and Mike Garrett made a few comments about the O.J. Mayo case. Stay tuned. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Hey, USC Trojan fans. To get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Parastyle Podcast. This is our third and final segment. If, as always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or just post your questions up on the uscfootball.com message boards. This segment, we're joined by new uscfootball.com beat writer. He's been with us for a couple of weeks now. Dan Wykey, how are you doing today, Dan? Doing pretty good, Ryan. How are you? 
Pretty good, pretty good. It was uh, crazy yesterday for you, I'm sure. You went down USC. For people who don't know, they had a press conference at USC for winning the fourth Lexus Gauntlet Trophy uh, in the last seven yeah. years. And uh, USC won the trophy. It's funny, USC won the trophy every even year. UCLA's won it every odd year. And they had a little ceremony down there, and uh, we sent you down to cover it. But obviously, the big story going around was the O.J. Mayo story. So let's stick with the uh, Lexus Gauntlet first. We'll get with the fluff. Uh, what was that like down there, uh, USC winning the trophy against UCLA? I mean, it was nice. It was just nice to see all the coaches out together, um, you know, a bunch of different football coaches, a, a different, you know, soccer, volleyball. Like, it was just a good collection of coaches out there to celebrate the win with, uh, you know, Mike Garrett. And um, it was just one of those things that it's nice to it's, – it's unique. I was speaking with uh, one of the, the reps from Lexus um, trying to get a car or something like that, and uh, he, he wasn't budging there. Um, but get um, a car? You know, he was. I asked, had to ask. Um, but, uh, no, actually, that was uh, that was funny, too. Mike Garrett made a joke about getting a car. It was really awkward. It was, Mike, <laughs> he was like, ooh, yeah. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, Mike's, uh, but, uh, Mike's not the best public speaker in the world, I would have to say. I mean, you know, nice guy, and he's done a lot for the program. Obviously, he's taking a little heat right now, but... His his mm-hmm. his jokes uh, when it comes to the media they don't seem to go over that well and I, I heard that one with the car and uh, Bill Plasky wrote about in his article too that just it mm-hmm. didn't go over that well. Yeah, no, it was just it was it was strange timing, but you know it was <clears throat> excuse me it was it was just nice I think um, for them you know speaking with one of the guys from Lexus I was saying he was telling me that to his knowledge it's the only year long series between two teams like you know obviously there's there's a lot of rivalry games and you know I mean. Like in football and stuff like that, different teams play for different trophies, and, and and that's fairly common. But between two teams, like nothing really measures, you know, uh, all the different sports that that you know this does. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible, actually. I think it's um, it's over, uh, I think eighteen sports, I believe. Um, I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me, but uh, but yeah, it's just neat. You know, USC was able to to win that. What they do is they give um. Ten points for the major sports: uh, men's and women's basketball, um, football, and women's volleyball. And if you win the, uh, if you win, if you win the series, you get, um, you get like let's say you sweep, or if you only play once, you win the one game, you get all ten points. If you split, you get half and half, and so on. And then uh, the smaller sports all get five points. And and you know it's just kind of neat. I think that you know it's a way to celebrate some of those nonprofit sports. Because I mean, obviously, anytime you know, the, the old saying is you could watch, you know, you could watch people um, from USC and UCLA do math problems together, and people would cheer, right? Yeah. You know, and and it's one of those things that are just just a nice little facet of the rivalry. Um, it's good for bragging rights, and you know, obviously, it's I think it says something that neither school has been able to win two years in a row. I mean, that I mean that's the essence of a rivalry is that there's you know what I mean across the board, no one's been able to really establish that kind of dominance, which is. Which is good. I mean, obviously, USC has been able to to take care of business in some of the bigger sports, but but you know, I mean, primarily football. But you know, it, it's neat to see you know the women's golf and men's golf having a battle for points, and and you know, women's soccer losing to UCLA in the regular season, but they're coming back and beating them in the in the uh, final four, I believe, of the women's soccer college cup, and 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 you know, just to, to even out the series and stuff like that. It's pretty neat. Yeah, you know, that's interesting that the. Uh... Lexus representative would say that I just assumed they would have made one of these trophies locally, like an Auburn, Alabama trophy, and I mean wherever it was feasible. You know, if it was a you know interstate rivalry or whatever, I figured they would be able to do that. But they, this is the only one they've sponsored for the only rivalry they've sponsored. Yeah, and I mean, and the trophy, the trophy itself is absolutely huge. It's like 
think 150 pounds. It's it's got like this cool uh, like a glove on it, like a like a night glove. That would um, that would be a, neat. that would be a gauntlet. Yeah. Is that what, is that what that's, that's called? What, yeah. So you throw that. You ever hear the saying "throw down the gauntlet"? Yes, that's what that be. Oh really? <laughs> I, I always thought it was like a gauntlet, like. Uh... <laughs> Hey, you know, you learn right. something new every day, Dad. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank, <laughs> thank you for shaming me. I appreciate it. No, but it was a, uh, it was, it was, it was a nice event for that. And then obviously, after the event, it really wasn't so much of a press conference. You know, he, he spoke for about a minute, um, and um, you know, it was really a, a nice photo op. I got a couple, brought out a couple song girls, and you know, took some pictures and stuff like that. And that was nice. But uh, but really, you know, it was just an opportunity. I think at least for a minute to kind of to not think about other things. To, to, to think about, you know, some good news, which was nice. Yeah, no, the, if you read Bill Plaschke's uh, column this morning, you were you actually, you were the first one to get out any quotes on Carol, I mean, on, on Carol, on Garrett, uh, about O.J. Mayo. And, uh, you know, we got that out yesterday, soon after, um, you know, the, the press conference hit. Uh, Plaschke said there was only one other reporter there, and that, that would be you. So that was kind of interesting that we didn't, I don't know why some of the other local beat writers weren't there. But uh, what what did he like, can you summarize kind of what Garrett said about the whole OJ Mayo situation? You know, he was kind of he was kind of all over the place. You know, he, he said that um, you know he couldn't really comment specifically about anything, but you know he kind of talked around it. You know, he said that that when they looked into to things before that you know it was a pretty extensive, and you know he said that um, that you know he's prided prides the athletic department's ability to to investigate these matters that they that they do it sternly and seriously. They um, they don't take a backseat to anybody, you know. He said, um, you know, he said that it, it's different because it's it was an individual decision, you know, by by one person, you know, allegedly to to do these things, and that makes it tougher to control. And it's also tougher to control when it's people from outside the program. If it was people from inside the program breaking rules, it's it, you know, you you've got a little more a little more control on that type of stuff. And, and there's a little, I guess, you know, in his opinion, at least, a little clearer course of action. I think he, he kind of feels that right now, being, being that it's outside, it, it, it's it's different, and it's something that a lot of schools are facing, um, which, you know, I think is a good point to make that, you know, obviously it's magnified being that USC is, you know, in downtown Los Angeles, and, and, like, you've got, you know, I mean, it's not, I mean, there's that's like the mecca of sports agencies in Los Angeles. So, I mean, it's it's no surprise that agencies and celebrities and stuff like that kind of gravitate towards some of these really high-profile people. But but it's one of those things that I think, you know, it, it it's tough. But but it, I mean, it's also happening in other schools. I mean, you know, there are agents that, that float around Alabama's practices. There are agents that you know float around a lot of big-time programs. And, and you know, Miami for years there are stories about that. And and you know, it's tough. And and you've got to kind of figure out a way to keep them out. I guess. And and that's what I think they're trying to do. Yeah. And uh, the latest stuff that was breaking today there's more in the la times about uh you know the recruit coming in another oj mayo type one and done player uh, people have predicted him to be the if you know in the next year's nba draft he would be the number two pick uh demar Derozan. um yeah he comes in he was a mcdonald's all-american you saw him make those highlight dunks on espn uh for you know that, the dunk that, contest. yeah the dunk contest and it's kind of crazy and and apparently his family was saying that you know if usc gets some major sanctions uh, he would not, you know, he would try to get out of his letter of intent, you know, to come to USC. And I, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that's what it's going to come to. But did you get a feel from anyone down there that this, this this really could be a major problem? They could be giving up scholarships, things like that. 
you know, um, it was hard to get that kind of feel because I, I you know, obviously Coach Floyd wasn't around, and it was hard to to, to really get, excuse me, a, a feel for that kind of thing. You know, the thing that I thought, excuse me again, was that, you know, it, it, it's it's not going to go away this time. Um, you know, it's going to linger for a while. It's not going to be a quick process, that's for sure, which is why I don't, you know, I don't think it, it could directly affect DeMar DeRozan. Typically, these things move slowly, and um, that's, the, I think right now, that's the biggest thing is, is you have to think. I mean, DeMar DeRozan scheduled to be on campus in June. I mean, you know, to start to start doing workouts and stuff like that and, and taking and taking a class or two. I mean, he's a guy who could, I mean, you know, he's a, he's another guy, like, just like O.J. Mayo was, it's just an explosive two-yard. I mean, I've had a chance to watch him play a couple times. And, I mean, he, he's, a, he's just a, a player. I don't want to say a program changer because that puts a lot of pressure. But, I mean, the the thought process is, is that he is going to be a guy who who is one and done. And, I mean, that's a problem when you when you recruit those guys. I mean, it's great because it's, you get a lot of excitement. You get some good national exposure. And, obviously, you're bringing in an elite talent. But it's hard to build sort of some um, cohesion, I guess, over the course of time. You know, I mean, you, you're going to have other guys that are going to be there for three and four years, you know, guys like Taj Gibson and stuff like that. Guys that are, are going to be around and they're going to be playing with, you know, just totally different players and, you know, DeRozan and OJ Mayo and, you know, maybe they bring in someone else after, you know, DeMar DeRozan leaves and another five-star guy who's going to be one and done. And, I mean, it, it, it's a problem. I mean, you you have to do – I think you have to recruit with balance. You also have to recruit guys that are going to be in the program for three or four years, guys that are going to be able to, to I don't want to say necessarily build around, but guys that are going to be able to, their games are going to be able to mature. Sort of the way Nick Young's game kind of matured over a couple of years. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, you know, we'll see what happens. There's a lot uh, a lot going on there. I mean, the whole world of basketball recruiting, I think people are learning more and more about it. And this NC, this NC. It's ugly. Yeah. Yeah, it can be a little ugly. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Dan. It's uh, all the time for the segment. And we'll sure we'll talk to you again in upcoming podcasts. All right. Sounds great. Look forward to it. Okay. That wraps up episode 14 of the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks for everyone for tuning in. And thanks to our guests, Coach Harvey Hyde. Dan Wetzel and Dan Wykey. Tune in next week. We'll be back next Wednesday with our 15th episode of the podcast. And one last thank you going out to the law offices of Bart Ring. Thanks for being our new sponsor. Stay tuned and we'll see you in a week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.